tonight is important. I want to tell you that from the, from the outset tonight. I believe, and maybe us preachers will say this almost every time we speak, but, but I really believe that the subject matter tonight and what we're going to cover is uh, eye-opening. I know it is to me, and I know it's helpful. And so I want you to listen on purpose. You may uh, be thinking as we begin to go through this lesson, oh, that's not uh, applicable to me. However, if you're breathing tonight, I promise you, this lesson, this message is applicable uh, for every single one of us. A lot of the messages that we preach talk about how to do something, how to overcome, or, or, or the how-to. Tonight's message is going to be more of a should-type message, and you'll see what I'm talking about as we go through this tonight. I want to go to the book of Judges and start reading in Judges chapter 2, and I think we'll start in verse 7. And we're just going to read a few of these verses. Tonight we'll have a a sort of a lengthy introduction. And then I'll let you know when we're getting to the the points of the message, All right, So bear with me. We'll have a lengthy introduction because we need to tie things together, tee up the ball, so to speak, and make things make sense in our minds. So stay with me tonight. Judges chapter 2. And verse number 7, the Bible says, And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua, and all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord that he did for Israel. And Joshua the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died, being an hundred and ten years old. And they buried him in the border of his inheritance in Timnath-Herez, in the Mount of Ephraim, on the north side of the hill Gaash. And also all that generation were gathered under their fathers. And there rose another generation after them, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel." And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Balaam. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them out of the land of Egypt and followed other gods of the gods of the people that were round about them and bowed themselves unto them and provoked the Lord to anger. And they forsook the Lord and served Baal and Ashtaroth. And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. And he delivered them into the hands of the spoilers that spoiled them. And he sold them into the hands of their enemies round about. So that they could not any longer stand before their enemies. Whithersoever they went out, 
the hand of the Lord was against them. Did you notice that? These are God's people. The Bible says, whensoever they went out, whatsoever they did, in other words, the hand of the Lord was against them for evil. As the Lord had said, and as the Lord had sworn unto them, and they were greatly distressed. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. I pray you would teach us tonight, help us tonight, bless us tonight, open our eyes, and use us for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Tonight, I want to talk to you about the problem with other gods. How many of you know that our God, the true and living God, is a jealous God? Say amen. And He has right to be jealous. The Bible teaches He's the creator of the universe. He is the creator of mankind. He is high and above all principalities and powers that there ever has been or ever will be. In other words, He is in charge. And He's jealous of that. And God has a problem when we have other gods in our life. Tonight will be about addiction. And tonight will be about idol worship. And I'm going to show you how that addictions in our lives are at its very root idolatry. In other words, our addictions are other gods that we are worshiping day in and day out. And I'm going to show you some reasons why that is so bad. But let's first set the stage and show you what addiction is, what an idol is, and how through the Scriptures now, I'm helping you tonight through the Scriptures, how that addiction is idolatry in our lives. The definition of addiction is simply that addiction is bondage to the rule of a substance, activity, or state of mind which then becomes the center of our life defending itself from from the truth so that even bad consequences don't bring repentance and it leads to estrangement from God. Now I see some of you shaking your head because we've experienced this in our lives and and you know that addiction leads to estrangement from God and you know that addiction defends itself from the truth. Addictions By the way, have you ever thought that there's more invisible addictions than there are visible addictions? 
Everybody that thinks about addiction, they think usually alcohol, drugs, maybe pornography. But there's more invisible addictions such as self. That's pride. Such as uh, work. There's, there's some people who are addicted to, to work. There's, there's food addiction. The Bible calls that gluttony. Addiction to things. The Bible calls that worldly goods. Uh, so, so the list goes on and on and on. And so let's just, let's just clear the air. Nobody in here tonight, none of us, can, can, can fold our arms and look down our nose at somebody who has an addiction that's easy to identify. Because probably, as soon as we do that, the truth of the matter is, we also have an addiction. It's just not so easy for others to see it in us. Amen? Now let me give you the definition of an idol. An idol is anything to which we set our affections upon. To the point that we indulge to a sinful and excessive attachment. That's what an idol is in our life. Something that we set our affections upon. Our heart becomes fixated with it to the point that we indulge in that thing, that substance, that whatever it may be in our life, and it becomes a sinful and excessive attachment in our daily life. Now, that's the definition of addiction and, and the definition of idolatry. Now let me tell you about the progression of all sin. The progression of all sin. I don't know if you've ever thought about this before or not, but addictions really begin way before the first drink. Or way before the first uh, 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 shot in the arm if it's intravenous drugs. Or before the first hit, if you will. It begins with spiritual casualness. That's, that's really where addiction, or, or, or can I say sin of any kind in our life begins with spiritual casualness. And indifference or insensitivity to right and wrong. In Deuteronomy 11.16, ancient Israel began its road into idolatry. Look at this verse. The scripture says, Take heed to yourselves that your heart be not deceived. And ye turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. God knew that the heart of man was so corrupted with sin after the fall of man in the Garden of Eden 
that man was now through the deceitfulness of sin and through the, through the allurement of sin, man was very prone to be casual in his relationship with God. And that's where all sin starts. I challenge you to think back in your mind about times in your life where you've battled sin the most. And if you think and examine and meditate, maybe you can trace that back to a point of spiritual casualness. And before you knew it, there was a tidal wave coming. I know it's been that way in my life. The next step in the progression of sin is what counselors call escalation, experimentation. Or to where a casual dabbling in sin now escalates to a more uh, daily or more regular experimentation with whatever the sin is. In Deuteronomy 13 verses 1 through 5, God actually told His people, Israel, to kill anyone in their cities who worshipped other gods. I challenge you to go back there and read that. We'll save some some time maybe tonight. But, But God told His people to destroy anyone in their cities that was worshiping other gods. Why would God say that? Because God knew some who had already gone that route and were destined to destruction would bring everyone else into the valley of sin and addiction and idol worship with them eventually. That's exactly why God would say that. In Joshua, we're building a case here. Stay with me. In Joshua chapter 9, verses 3 through 16, the Hivites lied to Joshua. Joshua made an oath and did not destroy them when he should have. And this is a picture of experimenting with something that God, through His Word, has forbidden The Israelites were told to destroy all the Hivites and the Girgashites and all these other ites, if you will, these other nations. And the Hivites, they actually dressed themselves up in old tattered clothes and things. And they came from a long distance and they presented themselves to Joshua and the elders of Israel. And they lied and said they were someone else. And although God had said, destroy all these other nations before you, Joshua compromised. And the Bible says that Joshua made a league with them. A league is a a contract or confederate. The point is, God said, destroy them. Joshua did not destroy them. And so now there they are. Rubbing shoulders with idol worshipers. In Deuteronomy 7, 1 through through 3, the children of Israel were told not to have any dealings with idol worshipers. And you can read these verses on your own. The point is, 
little by little, the generation of, of Israel that knew not the Lord began to put God's word to the back burner in their life and in their nation. And they began to make leagues with the other nations that were idol worshipers. And before they knew it, Israel, God's chosen people, were full-fledged in to idol worship. Sin creeps in slowly through small steps of disobedience. The next generation was in full-blown idolatry. Just like addiction. It seems fun at first. It's exhilarating at first. Many times we even uh, uh, feel as though we are in control. But once we begin to experiment, you can do it again with ease because you've already broken that moral plane in your heart. Can you see how that sin in our lives slowly becomes an addiction and then sets up its own throne in our heart to reign as an idol in our life. So at its root, according to the Bible, the best picture in the Bible of addiction is addiction as idolatry. You can also see through the Bible, we won't go into it tonight because we don't have time, you can see addiction as adultery. You can also see addiction as being captured by a beast. But throughout the scripture, from Old Testament to New, the main picture is addiction as idolatry. When we indulge in our addictions, what's happening spiritually is we we are worshiping other gods. I'm telling you this because this this is viewing addiction through a biblical lens. The world has their definitions. And we rationalize everything. But you've probably never heard that addiction truly in its, in its raw form is idolatry in our lives. Now here we go. Here's getting into the meat of the message. Every Christian should avoid other gods because of the problems associated with them that are found right here in our text in Judges chapter 2. Now, this is going to be eye-opening because there's so many misconceptions out there. So many people that I counsel with and that I speak to and that I minister to or talk to, they've just got such a skewed view of God, number one, and of why things are happening the way they're happening in their life. Remember this, remember this. Not everything that happens in our life bad is God's fault. 
Sometimes it's our fault. But we're going to learn tonight that sometimes God will actually take His hands off of our situation and God will on purpose allow frustration. And God will on purpose allow failure. And God will on purpose sometimes allow bad things to to transpire. You say, God would do that? You'll see. But here's something to remember throughout the whole message. Everything God does in our lives is for His glory and our good. If God chastises, it's to bring us back. If God punishes, it's to bring us back into fellowship with Him. If God has to move in a, in a way that we feel like it's unloving, it's it, remember, He sees the big picture and He loves us too much to hurt us. He's too wise to make a mistake. And God always knows best. Say amen right there. Let me give you... Three problems that are associated with serving other gods. Problem number one. As we serve other gods, we forsake the true God. As we serve other gods, we forsake the true God. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. People say so many times, I'm only hurting myself. That's never, never is that true on any level. But have you considered the heart of God? Did you know that God loves you? God loves me. And when I turn from the true and living God... And worship the idols that, that, that sin has set up in my heart. What's really happening, it's not about how addictive the drug is. It's not about how addictive the, the drink is. It's not about how addicted to pride and, 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 or worldly goods that, that, that we may be. That Those are all uh, side effects. Those are all... Things that happen in the, in the details. But what's really going on is we've walked away and forsaken the God that made us. Let's look back at, at verses 11, uh, 12, and 13. Let me give you two subpoints here. Number one, why is it that as we serve other gods we forsake the true God? A, because we forget who God is. We forget who God is. Look at verse 12. Judges 2, verse 12. And they forsook, and they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them out of the land of Egypt and followed other gods. They forgot. Forgetting leads to forsaking. 
Matthew 6.24 tells us no man can serve two masters. You say, well, 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 my thing is just my thing, but I love God too. No man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Did you see that? Every one of us is holding to a God in our life and we are despising the other gods that have been in our life. So either I'm holding my addiction and despising the true God or I'm holding to the true and living God and despising those addictions. It can't be twofold. It can't be two ways. The Bible says you cannot serve God and mammon. So A, because we forget who God is, and B, because we forget what God has done. Now look at verse 12 again. Check this out. The Bible says, And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, watch this, which brought them out of the land of Egypt. In other words, they forgot what God had done. And I know that the times in my life that I have backslidden or become preoccupied with sin or, or whatever in my life, I have failed to meditate on the goodness of God as He saved me. I failed to, to really stop and, 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 and saturate myself with the Scriptures and remember how God has blessed me. And that's exactly what the children of Israel did as they forsook the true and living God. They forgot that God had led them out of Egypt with a high hand. They forgot that God had parted the waters of the Red Sea. Uh, they passed safely and then He closed it in on Pharaoh and his army. They forgot about the water out of the rock. They forgot about the manna in the wilderness. They forgot about all of those things and how easy it is for us as, as humans to forget all the goodness that God has done. I want to encourage you tonight. Let's, let's not forsake the true and living God. That's why Bible study is vital. That, that's, that's a reason that Sunday morning church is so vital. That's a reason that life groups and DMD and, 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 and Christian fellowship and, and iron, sharpening iron in our Christian friendships, it's so vital. We need to encourage one another to stick with the Word and stick with God. America's gods, prosperity, pride, power, success... Maybe your God tonight is chasing the American dream. And it's got you so preoccupied that you forsook the true and living God. Let's uh, go to problem number two. Not only as we serve other gods, we forsake the true God, but there's another problem with other gods. Number two, as we serve other gods... We 
forfeit the blessings of the true God. We forfeit the blessings of the true God. You know, there's a lot of people walking around today. And they are where they are in their life because they've forfeited God's blessings in their life. They've just handed it over to Satan. That They've just basically checked out and said, you know what, it, I'll just make this trade. And by the way, that's what addiction is. It's making a trade in your life. It's being so bound, it's being so in bondage, defending ourselves from that bondage against all truth that we, we begin to forfeit and forfeit and forfeit what God wants to do in our life. You would, you would be maybe truly amazed if you hung out with us in our ministry for a while or with Preacher Malcolm and saw some of the situations that we see day in and day out. Little kids that, that don't have what they should have in their life because mom and daddy have forfeited their, their rent money. They've forfeited the, the kids' clothing for the other things that they're consuming in their life. Now, now listen to what I'm saying. Uh, I, or don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying it's wrong to seek assistance. So don't go out of here and lie on Brother Travis and say, I said something I didn't say. If you need help with food, find a food pantry. Praise God. That's good. That's why we have those. If you need clothing, if somebody needs those things, that's why charities exist. That's why ministries like Unsheltered International exist. But I do want you to know a high percentage of time. We're helping people because they have forfeited what they should have had. They've, they've, they've forfeited what they should have had. And sometimes after the people are gone, we just close the door and cry. Sometimes after they're gone, maybe we go outside and scream. And it's not easy working in that, in that realm or in that world because, because sometimes it's like talking to a pine tree. <laughs> and if it wasn't for the grace of God and God's great ability to reach the hardest heart, to reach the lostest sinner, to reach the worst case scenario, we'd probably pack up our Bibles and, and, and pack up shop and go do something else. 
But I got to testify and tell you through just through our short 20 or something years of ministry in, in my life, I've seen God save crack addicts and, and literally make them preachers. I've seen God save drunkards and make them the cook at the rescue mission. I've seen God take people that were so uh, 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 caught up in pornography and clean their heart up and clean their mind up and put them to work in the church and the ministry of the Lord. I've seen God take people that that. that that were just absolutely adamantly against God and His grace. And I've seen those tears on the altar after a good sermon when the Spirit of God convicted their heart and they wept their way to Jesus. And I want to tell you, as bad as it looks, there's always hope in Christ because He's a specialist when it comes to hard cases. Amen. But let me tell you something. As we serve other gods, we really do forfeit the blessings of the true God. Look at, look at a couple of reasons. Number one, because God cannot bless what He does not agree with. God doesn't do that. You remember that scripture? I'm trying to remember it myself. <laughs> I think I was asking myself that question. God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. God cannot bless what he does not agree with. Let me read you a couple of verses. I don't think the guys back there have these, but I'm going to read you 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 14 through 16. The Bible says, be, not, uh, uh, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. You see, some of you have been sitting here this whole time so far thinking, oh, he's preaching out of the Old Testament. That doesn't apply. (laughs) What are you going to do with Mr. Paul the Apostle as he penned these words down? And he said, what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? The answer is none. They don't mix together. It's like oil and water. And you're sitting there, you're wanting God to bless your life, and you're mad at God because He's not blessing you more, and God's saying, I want to, and I will. But your sin, it's separated between you and your God. Acts, no, no, let me, let me give you this, uh, B. Uh, there's another reason why we forfeit the blessings of the true God when we serve other gods in our life. Because God will not deliver when He is not first in our lives. You keep wanting God to deliver you. And you've even shook your fist at God because He hadn't answered your prayer. 
But the whole time, he's about number 10 in line to all these idols. Now listen, I've got verses. Verses uh, uh, 14 and 15. Listen good. They're right from, right from our text. And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. And he delivered them into the hands of the spoilers that spoiled them. And he sold them into the hands of their enemies round about so that they could not any longer stand before their enemies. Do you see what that's saying? Israel had enemies coming against them. And when God was blessing, they could stand and fight and win. But when God chose not to bless because God could not bless their sin, they had no strength. The point is, God will not deliver when He's not first in our life. It just doesn't happen that way. God is not mocked. We try to mock God. We try to blame Him. But listen, we may fool each other, and we do. But we ain't pulling nothing over on the Lord. Are you with me, Fairview? It's about as plain as day here in the Scriptures. That sometimes God just says, no, I'm not helping in that situation. Are you so tired of fighting and struggling? Could it be that the way you're going about this is is of your own making and your own doing? And God is just waiting to bless you. Let me give you, you know, I, I remember before I move on, talking about forfeiting the blessings of the true God as we serve other gods. I remember before I got saved, the year before I got saved, which would have been like summer of 93 to the summer of 1994. I got saved August the 1st of 1994. And I lived there in Florida. Uh, was friends with, with Pastor Malcolm. I was friends with Joe, his brother. And me and Joe would go out and we would go hunting, hog hunting all night long or whatever we saw. Uh, we, we would hunt a lot of things. But typically, our MO was we didn't come out of the woods until the sun was going up a lot of nights. And uh, I wish I could do that today but now when the sun comes up today I'm just if I've been up all night I'm I'm gonna be sleeping all day and I remember several times uh we kept our hog dogs at my house or Joe's house which was Malcolm Senior's house and and right the parsonage beside the church there in Fort Pierce and sometimes it would be you know uh Joe would go home and get ready and go to church, and then maybe I'd come later to take his dogs back or whatever. But I'd be driving by the church on Sunday morning about the time people were getting there for Sunday school, about 9 o'clock, 9.30. And I can remember driving by and seeing some of the men out on the front porch there 
at Bethel Baptist Church on McNeil Road in Fort Pierce, Florida. And and I can remember thinking in my heart, man, ain't they got nothing better to do than to have a good night of rest and wake up early and be at Sunday school? And I remember just thinking, man, what losers. I'm going to go get a nap, and then I'm going at it again. The whole time, what I didn't realize is I was lost on my way to hell and every day I was forfeiting the great things that God was willing and ready and desiring to do in my life. But I couldn't see it. And by the way, if you have a loved one that is in the throes of addiction right now. I know it's frustrating. I know that, that sometimes we have to put clear boundaries in, in, in place and, and in order for healthy relationships, we have to step back. I, I know those things. But I want to encourage you, pray more. Amen. Love them the best you can. Because... Sometimes they just don't know. They just don't know who they're hurting and what they're doing. I had no idea I was forfeiting the great things God wanted to do in my life. And then it wasn't a few months before Malcolm Sr. led me to the Lord. And instantly, I'm telling you, instantly, like the scripture says, I was passed from death to life instantly I became one of them porch-standing fellas. I remember standing on the porch, watching other people drive by and thinking, if they really knew what was good for them, they'd be up here going to Sunday school. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) isn't that how we are? Let me give you the third problem with other gods. The third problem with other gods. As we serve other gods, now hang on, I'm just telling you, this is a life-changing one for me. As we serve other gods, we fight battles that were not meant for us. There could, there can be, there might be someone here to, tonight. Don't raise your hand. But maybe you spent many years in some type of addiction, or maybe you have a loved one, and you know the what's the word? Sometimes we use Tara, uh, the the chaos that is addiction. Circus, that's what I always say. So, you know, we have a motto in our ministry. It's like, we're, we're going to help and we're going to get involved, but I'm not part of the circus. Does that make sense? In other words, it, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to help you. I'm going to feed you. I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to witness to you. I'm going to do all these things. But, you know, I'm not going to drive you across town so you can go pick up your bag so that you can go take your, you know, your thing over here to them and I'm not I'm not just I'm not in the craziness 
And you know if you've been around addiction, it can cause a circus in your life, like the Tasmanian devil. And it never ends. Amen? Y'all acting awful sanctimonious or something in here tonight. Listen, I got uh, dozens of years of preaching at homeless shelters under my belt, so at least they don't try to act like they ain't never had no problem. Say amen. amen. Some of my favorite places to preach is the mission and the jail. Because typically they ain't putting on airs. They're like, boy, you're right, preacher. But as we serve other gods, we fight battles that were not meant for us to fight. Why? A, because when we insist upon our own way, God will give it to us. You keep insisting having it your way. You know what's going to happen? One day God's going to be like, all right. Okay. Have at it, big boy. He's done that with me before. Kind of like that purchase. You just had to go and get it. And now you're freaking out three months later because you don't know how to make the payments anymore. Amen. Amen? Amen? Look at verse 19. I know you're wondering where I'm getting this stuff. Verse 19 says... And it came to pass, when the judge was dead, that they returned and corrupted themselves more than their fathers, in following other gods to serve them and to bow down unto them. They ceased not from their own doings, nor from their stubborn way. Nor from their stubborn way. And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. And he said, because that this people hath transgressed uh, my covenant, which I commanded their fathers, and have not hearkened unto my voice, uh-oh, I also will not henceforth drive out any from before them of the nations which Joshua left when he died. So, We fight battles that weren't meant for us because when we insist upon our own way, God will give it to us and because God will leave us to fight on our own. And I'm telling you, that's not something we want to happen in our life. Listen to Proverbs 29 and verse 1. You need to memorize this verse if you haven't already. He... That being often reproved, hardeneth his neck, shall suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. That's a picture of a man that God convicts him, and God convicts him, and God convicts him. His wife talks to him, his wife talks to him, his brother talks to him, his friend talks to him, his pastor talks to him. But, but he's often reproved, but he hardens his neck and he won't change. He won't listen. He won't see the light. What's the scripture say will happen to that person? It says he will suddenly be destroyed. And there ain't no remedy. You realize how serious that is? 
Acts 27.11 says, Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and owner of the ship more than those things that were spoken by Paul. You remember that in Acts 27 when Paul was on his way to Rome and he was on the ship and God, an angel of the Lord came to Paul and said, Hey Paul, y'all fixing to go into a storm. You don't need to sail. And, uh, and Paul told the, the, uh, the guy in charge, he said, Look, I've had a vision from God. God's told me if we sail, it's going to be bad. And they brushed him off. <laughs> what do you know about, about sailing? What do you know? You're not James Spann. You don't know the weather. Sure, that's exactly what they told Paul. And then Paul's like, all right. So they sail on and a great storm called Eurocladon came. And, and maybe you're, if, if, you, if you've been here for the Acts series, you know the whole ship was torn apart and, and all this. And what happened there? The master of the ship and, and the centurion, the, the, uh, the guard, they insisted upon their own way. They didn't listen to what God had to say. God gave it to them. Have at it. Why else would we fight battles that were not meant for us if we're serving other gods? Because God will leave us to fight on our own. Verse 20 says, uh, or, or no, verse 23, watch this. Therefore the Lord left those nations without driving them out hastily, neither delivered he them into the hands of Joshua. You see what's happening there? You remember when, when uh, uh, David came out and he said to Goliath, you come to me with a... a, a, a a sword and all this, but I come to you in the name of the Lord and, and David slew Goliath? Do you really think it was his little sling and that little stone that killed Goliath? No. It was the mighty power of God. You remember when they marched around Jericho and blew trumpets and the walls fell down? You really think it was the sound waves that did that? No, it was the hand of God. You remember when when uh, uh, they had five loaves and two fishes, and they fed a great multitude of more than 5,000 people, what, was it because the disciples had Ginsu knives and they cut everything up great? No, it was the hand of God. In other words, God's saying, I'll deliver you. I'll drive those nations out. I'll do what you can't do as you're following me. But then... They followed those other gods. They, they served these other idols. They set up these idols in their life. And so God said, okay, you fight those nations yourself. And the Bible says God did not drive them out. In other words, God did not give them the victory because they insisted on doing it their own way. You know what that means to us? There could be things going on in your life right now that God doesn't even intend for you to have to deal with. Isn't that a heck of a thought? You might be fighting. Your, your knuckles might be uh, bloody and 
man, you're, you, you know, you're just beaten and battered and, and, and you don't have any more strength and you're like, man, I can't win for losing. And you're fighting battles that you shouldn't even have to fight. You say, well, preacher, what's the answer? Recognize that that, that addiction in your life is truly an idol on the throne of your heart. And you've been serving that idol. And in doing so, you forsook God. You forgot about Him. You've left Him out of your life. And when you recognize that, come running home to the Father and, and say, Oh God, I'm sorry. Oh God, I repent, which means to turn from. And God, here I am. I pray that you would teach me how to dethrone that idol and how to have you back in my life as Lord and God. And my all in all, seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. The scripture is full of admonitions telling us to put God number one in our life. And that's where it starts. Will that be easy? No. Addictions, the, the very, the very uh, definition of addiction that we read a while ago says that it defends itself from the truth. Addictions are hard enough to fight with God. They're impossible to fight when God has to step back and take his hands off. The only way we can win and have victory is when God is driving those things out because we are bending our heart and worshiping the one true and living God. Listen, the scripture says, Thou shalt have no other God before me for a reason. Amen?